Hi, I'm Roland Smith and I'm the co-head of the Scottish Tourism Group at international law firm CMS. I'm based in Edinburgh. Welcome to the first of our Scottish Tourism Rebound and Remodel podcasts. My CMS Scotland colleague and Scottish Tourism Group co-head Emma Boffey and I will be popping up from time to time over the coming months to discuss the challenges and opportunities for our nation's tourism industry. And Emma joins me today. So Emma, you hosted our CMS Scottish Tourism Rebound and Remodel webinar on the 27th of October. Yes, we were joined by Vicky Miller, who is Director of Marketing at Visit Scotland. We were also joined by Neil Robertson who runs one of my favourite travel blogs. It's called Travels with a Kilt and I highly recommend it. We were also delighted to welcome Gregor Famera, who is one of our colleagues from CMS Croatia. Gregor is one of Croatia's leading experts on the hotel, tourism and leisure industry. And Croatia is quite interesting because it has a similar population size to Scotland and has successfully managed a, a rapid expansion of its tourism sector over the last decade. So I think it would be fair to say the 2020 has been a challenging year for the Scottish tourism industry. That's right. Definitely a year of surviving rather than a year of thriving. Vicky talked about some of the ups and downs of 2020. I think when the industry opened up on the 15th of July, you know, I, I was certainly optimistic. We saw really strong um, intent and interest in Scotland, particularly from the UK market, which we knew was going to be really important in terms of that kind of early recovery um, post lockdown. And in fact, we don't, we saw parts of Scotland, um, coast, countryside, self-catering sector in particular, actually do very well for a period in the summer. However, that is not reflected across the country. So we've seen the cities continue to kind of really struggle. They tended to, particularly during the summer months, benefit from international travels, very important places like Edinburgh. International visitors account for 40% of their visitor volume across the year. And a lot of that is is in that that summer period. So we've seen the cities um, really struggle and um, hotels in particular as well. So the service to accommodation. Um, and many attractions and tour operators that have um, and activity operators that have had to contend with the two metre social distancing, which has has really either restricted capacity or in some cases meant that they actually haven't been able to open. So I think while there, there, are, there have been definitely green shoots, things that have been positive for some parts of the country and, and some businesses. Um, and, and indeed, there's been lots of innovation um, and collaboration, which has been some of the positives that have come out of this. I do feel that at this point, with some of the new travel restrictions that we have, some of the impact on, on things like um, food and drink, so you know, the six o'clock curfew, not being able to, to serve alcohol with a meal, some of these more recent, um, unfortunately, restrictions have, have meant that I think it almost feels to me like we're back at restart. Um, and we're not yet, you know, recovery is, is, is some way off. Neil had been travelling in the north of Scotland over the past week and he updated us on the mood on the ground. A lot of regions have felt that the year has actually been, the summer part of the year was relatively successful. Um, the business was coming in, particularly the east coast regions, which have relied on staycationers more generally anyway, traditionally. 
um, they have seen the usual business turnover. Uh, but with the changes in the last few weeks, particularly around the, the curfew for dinner time, that has affected restaurants massively. And it just puts you off eating out. And even going on these kind of promotional trips that I've been on, it's, it's, it's just been much easier to self-cater. You just naturally lean that way. Um, you, you can't have your dinner before and get everything finished for six o'clock. So there's a negativity around that. It's definitely going to see a, a self-catering boom. We saw a lot of wild camping and, and, and the staycation market is, is going to be central to how we how we recover from this in the longer term. But it's not as simple as just seeing the numbers from, from the UK are going to compensate for the international numbers because they do have different spending habits. Think things do, they're a different kind of, a different kind of market. And what was Gregor's view from Croatia? 2020 has also been a difficult year for Croatia's tourism industry. The country had opened its borders to everyone, but other countries didn't always reciprocate. So, for example, although Germany stayed with Croatia for a long time, Austria introduced quarantine requirements for those travelling back from Croatia. Uh, Well, summer has been excellent in terms of weather, but tourism was um, obviously down. Uh, We had a a growth rate of about five to six percent every year over the last couple of years. Uh, Croatia has become very dependent on tourism. About 20 percent of economy are tourism related. Uh, and this year we had a downfall of 32 percent. So it hits a lot of businesses. It's for some really a drama. And um, yeah, we are we are um, struggling with it. Emma, when the pandemic hit, many predicted that 2020 in the UK would be the year of the staycation. Did Vicky and Neil think that that has played out as anticipated? Well, they made the point that the domestic market has always been important to Scotland. Vicky pointed out that in a normal year, 13.8 million overnight visits are from within the UK. But in 2020, something like 7 out of 10 Scots holidayed at home in 2020. And many younger visitors were enjoying Scotland for the first time. That brought some challenges with some not enjoying the countryside as responsibly as they might. So there's an education piece to be done around how to enjoy Scotland while protecting and looking after our special places and respecting local communities. How we um, capitalise on that trend of people for the first time um, enjoying Scotland um, and those younger audiences, how do we invite them back and continue next year? Because I think, you know, we know now that it is going to take a few years to see the return of international travel. Um, and so actually these trends, these localisation trends, these, this trend to sort of stay at home um, and enjoy countryside and be outdoors, I think are ones that we absolutely want to capitalise on. It's an interesting one because Scotland is not a cheap destination. It never has been. Um, so millennials who perhaps don't have a huge amount of income or disposable income um, have, have a, an interesting challenge ahead of them. They're definitely more interested, I think, in going to, to the rural areas of Scotland and really tapping into the, the, the soulful side of Scotland. Um, and that's where the storytelling comes in on my side. It's, it's, yes, it's about the big important visuals, but it's about what does Scotland really mean to you deeper down than that? And if you're actually from Scotland, you've got a deep connection to the country anyway, of course you're going to be drawn to trying to find out about family heritage and, and regional heritage as well. And Scotland has got such a great history that tapping into that is, is very doable. But if we're going to really appeal to that market, we have to make things cheaper. And they're not perhaps going to be able to afford £100 a night plus for accommodation. They're not going to be able to afford the seafood dinners that Scotland is so famous for, the whiskey tours and that kind of 
international brand that we've created. It is going to be a, a different element to the marketing, but we have to make social media a, a force for good in that sense. And social media is going to be particularly important, as we've said, to the younger audiences. So how can we utilise that with the, the, the big visual appeal that Scotland has, but really then turn it to what's, what's beneath that? Uh, how can we get into the soul and how can Scotland be the kind of experience destination that you're going to look forward to, to coming to, love it when you're here and just talk about it for the rest of your life. That is the kind of trip that we try to encourage for international visitors. We need to now do that for people who live here as well. Gregor mentioned that sustainable tourism is also a growing trend in Croatia. Certain towns try to be kind of super sustainable uh, with um, having uh, concepts for, for everything, uh, limiting traffic, uh, kind of um, good food, I mean, not just good food, but kind of a bio food, only uh, limiting access for tourists. I uh, suggest so to avoid the, the downside of, of, of tourism. Uh, I heard this before, I think Vicky said it kind of uh, not, 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 not appreciating the countryside as, as, as it should. Yeah, And uh, we also see a, a focus on, on family tourism. And Neil had some interesting things to say about virtual tourism. That's right. I asked him whether he sees it as a means of reducing visits or increasing them by wetting potential visitors' appetites. Compared to certain countries, particularly like Japan, if you walk down a street in Tokyo, you walk into virtual reality bars, it's, it's becoming as common as an average bar in normal times anyway, and you could go in and have a kind of Westworld experience that's that's just blows your mind. We, we don't have that here. We're just we're several years away from that. Um, and someone needs to invest in this technology, so who's it going to be? And, and I've dabbled in and I've been an investor in certain businesses in that sense. but. As I say, it's, it's a good distance away. Augmented reality is, is cheaper, it's more doable. And we've had um, likes of Historic Scotland have had a great interest in that kind of thing. There's a definite scope for storytelling within that kind of technology, but it's expensive, it's time consuming. And uh, as I say, I think it's more of a medium term thing um, in that sense. Uh, I think we're probably going to have to rely more on, on more traditional social media channels in the short term. Vicky Miller again. I do think you know you're right. There is absolutely a place for um, uh, you know virtual and augmented for that storytelling, actually to enhance you know maybe the experience when you're when you're here. And certainly there is a role for it just now in terms of keeping Scotland top of mind. And as you say, it's like here's what you could really enjoy. But there's nothing that is going to beat actually being here and having the experience. But I think for me, technology, more fundamental, it's about making sure that Scotland is discoverable. So we need everybody to have the mobile friendly, you know, optimised websites and um, with great content that we know that people are searching and looking for, improving, you know, that digital footprint, making it easy for people to book. You know, yeah. so I think there's a fun, there's some digital fundamentals in there that, you know, technology absolutely plays a role. We also looked at what responsible travel and travelling with a purpose mean. The panel talked about the importance of contributing to the local community. Neil Robertson first. I think fundamentally for the traveller, it's about putting something in to get something back um, rather than the mindset of, well, I just want to be somewhere remote and I don't really... I don't want to spend a huge amount of money. I just want to go to the hills and, and get my tuna sandwich from Tesco and not really contribute much. Hopefully not see anyone and go home. If that's the mentality, then that, that's not responsible because it's, it's ultimately all about you. And you have to try and consider where you're going, the destination that you're going to. Are you bringing something in? Are you contributing to the local economy? Are you keeping things going? Are you creating jobs as a result? If you have that mindset, then that is, that's responsible. 
coming out of this, what is a really important, you know, and I, I agree with Neil in, in terms of that definition of responsible um, tourism. For me, there's three pillars to that. And at the heart of it is definitely communities and that 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 social and communities, we need communities engaged and we need to get the right balance of visitors for each community across the year. And that's going to vary across across the country. Um, and I think if we can do that and we can put communities at the heart of our planning, which very much actually the 2030, the new tourism strategy does, um, is put far more emphasis on how we work with communities and how we strive to get that balance so that we address um, you know, th those issues. But we ensure that geographic and seasonal spread of visitors across the years. So I think that has to be a big focus of how we come out of this, that we, you're absolutely right, we address those imbalances and we work closely with communities um, to do that. And as you say, that then also tackles the third element, the environmental aspect as well. Um, and talking about, you know, Neil also talked about um, travelling with purpose and I think what we're seeing there is definitely we want to be getting to audiences that share those values that you know are going to want to engage with our local communities and respect our local communities um, and buy local when they're in there and, and, and enjoy that slow and immersive travel. And so I think if we can get our targeting right, we can work together and we can put communities at the heart of our planning. Um, we're discoverable and we, we, we work together to address what we, you know, the, the building demand, but in a way that gives us that all year round, as you say, um, proposition, um, then, then we would be in good shape. I asked Neil which areas are crying out for a bigger share of the tourism pie. Southern Scotland has always been the, the favourite one in that sense. The, the borders, the recent Galloway, Ayrshire, um, they've always had a there's been a big difference between uh, the, the north, particularly islands like Skye, which is just constantly chocker. Uh, but even within that, over tourism isn't as simple as saying Skye's a, a serious problem because South Skye, there's nowhere near the same numbers. So it is, it's generally half a dozen hotspots on a place like Skye, which are completely out of control. But uh, we just need to get certain messages out that actually if you go a mile down the road, you'll have a just as nice a place entirely to yourself. Um, and that is where marketing comes in and that's where coming back to social media being a cause for good if we can get something. So it's certainly South Scotland, um, even parts of Central Scotland though, because the international visitors traditionally would come flying to Edinburgh, Glencoe, Loch Ness, Skye, maybe an island or two more and then go home. Mm -hmm. um, if we can try and, and uh, spread that around to some of the other islands um, and, and also parts, as I say, of Central Scotland, um, areas like, well, Stirling's always been a popular one, but Falkirk's not so far away. And with the Kelpies, um, with Calder House there, um, potentially as well, the Lothians, even just spilling out of Edinburgh. So East Lothian has some of the best historical sites in the country, no question. Um, as does West Lothian, the Outlander effect, of course, has been huge. Um, and that has done, has done an enormous amount for regions like Fife, which have really taken off as a result of, of the filming locations that were used in Fife and part of Lothians as well. And Glasgow and Lanarkshire as well, I'd like to always see more people here because it's got the capacity for it, it's got the infrastructure for it, um, and it's my home city, so why not? And, you know, from a personal point of view, Roland, I grew up in Inverclyde, and it's got a huge cruise ship industry. Tens of thousands of international visitors will get off at Greenock and then go and explore Edinburgh, Glasgow, Glencoe. They might go and do an island. 
but there are also some fantastic tourism experiences to be had locally in Inverclyde. And Emma, the panel also looked forward to 2021. Indeed, I began by asking Neil and Vicky what their main wish for 2020 was. I want to see international visitors back. I, I really miss them. I think that they bring a, an enthusiasm for Scotland, which is, is very, very special. I think it's just human nature. You just you don't necessarily fully appreciate what's on your doorstep and, and locals as much as they're, they're getting to know Scotland more, which I think is great, um, when a lot of, particularly Americans, come here, they have often, this is a, a bucket list trip for them. It's a once-in-a-lifetime thing. They've looked forward to it their whole life. They consider themselves to be Scottish, Scottish through lineage. And um, I would like to see the opportunity for, for those visitors to come back because they do add something. For me, it's that the businesses are going to get the support they need to get to 2021 20, because we need to have, um, to create a vibrant visitor economy, you know, we need our attractions and our accommodation providers to survive this. Um, so more support um, for the industry, I think, um, so that we, 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 we have a great start to 21. And you finished by asking Vicky and Neil what success would look like come 2021? Yes, Vicky talked about more air corridors, more international travel, Scotland punching above its weight in the domestic market. And as Neil said... A vaccine would be good. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, think, I think we want to try and as, uh, definitely, as, as uh, Vicky says, focus on the, getting the right kind of flow of international travel back, hopefully hold on to the, the air routes that, that will bring visitors here and just get the virus under much greater control over the winter. And it's going to be a tough winter for everybody, I think. That seems obvious. But if we can really get the kind of progress that we made in the spring and early summer back, then that would be terrific. And a shift in mentality from from the staycation, the, the local travellers, I think, as well, rather than the mindset of it's on my doorstep, I don't really need to, to spend a lot of money, I don't need to invest in it because I'm saving up for that big holiday to Spain next year. If you can then have the mentality of, actually, if, if I save up and spend the same amount that I would spend in Spain but do it here and have two or three weeks exploring Scotland, uh, rather than just day trips here and there where you take a packed lunch, that's a very different kind of visitor um, in terms of the industry. So uh, two things, if we can get more international visitors through the airlines and, and through the right procedures in terms of dealing with the virus and also just getting local visitors to think more about really properly investing in the industry and having a really immersive Scottish experience. Well, thank you, Emma, and thank you, listener, for joining us for our very first CMS Scottish Tourism Podcast. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the issues we've discussed today. You can email Emma at emma.boffey, that's E-M-M-A dot B-O-F-F-E-Y at cms-cmno.com. And my email address is roland.smith, that's R-O-L-A-N-D dot S-M-Y-T-H at cms-cmno.com. You can also find us on Twitter and LinkedIn. CMS are proud to be lawyers acting for some of the Scottish tourism industry's key contributors and we're keen to help the industry through these difficult times. If there's anything we can help you with, please do get in touch with us. See you next time.